All right, Romans chapter 10 tonight, the book of Romans chapter number 10. The book of Romans chapter number 10, and if you're able to, once you find your place, if you would, wouldn't mind standing for the reading of God's Word, Romans chapter number 10. <clears throat> I was telling Brother Jimmy before service, I could probably count on uh, one hand how many times uh, pastor has ever said, hey, I'd like for you to preach on this subject or this topic, and tonight's one of those nights. He's like, hey, you're going to preach Wednesday night while I'm gone, and then there's a topic, a specific topic I want you to preach about, and so Lord willing tonight, we're going to begin in Romans chapter number 10, and if you have a, a, like a ribbon or a marker, go ahead and mark Romans 10. There's a couple other passages we're going to look at, and if you want to and you're able to, mark 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 as well. We'll go there here in a few minutes, but Romans chapter 10 is where we're going to start out at, kind of get us some context to springboard on this thought tonight, and the topic that we'll be looking at, Romans chapter number 10. We're going to start reading in verse number 1, we'll read a couple verses, and then I'm going to, we'll skip down uh, to another portion of scripture, but in verse number 1, the Bible says, brethren, uh, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, kind of... We're jumping right in toward the latter part of the book of Romans. We know this, the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. And so as Paul's writing this, picture with me if you would, Paul saying, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. It's a pretty bold and powerful statement if you think about it, that Paul's desire, not just that certain people would be saved, but Paul's desire was that all of Israel be saved. Verse 2, he says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Paul says they have a zeal, or they would say like this, they have, a, they have a, a, a desire, they have maybe a passion, they have a zeal, but they don't have the knowledge. It's good to have zeal, it's good to have desire, it's good to have passion, but you've got to have some knowledge as well. Uh, think about growing up, uh, my dad was a very hands-on type of dad, and and uh, I remember when he would change the oils back in the day before you could drive up and get your oil changed real quick. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Where you would have to go to the parts store, buy the oil, buy the filter, buy the wrenches. Brother Jimmy's back there. Yep, yep, those days. And I remember saying to my dad, hey, I'd love to, I'd love to learn how to change the oil. You know what my dad did? Get underneath the car. Here's what you're going to do. Here's how you're going to do it. He didn't, he, listen, he didn't just say, oh, that's great. I'm glad you have a desire to change the oil, but you had the knowledge. So Paul says here, he says, listen, they have a zeal of God, but according to they lack the knowledge, if you would. Look what he says, verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. But Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness is everyone that believeth. Paul says, listen, you're living, the Jew is living after the righteousness of the law, but kind of in a nutshell, here's what he's saying. Christ fulfilled the righteousness of the law. Christ did away with the law because of his righteousness. Now skip down to verse number 9. He says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's a pretty powerful verse. Paul's, listen, he's getting away from the law and getting away from your own righteousness, and the reflection now is upon the true gospel, centered around Jesus Christ. And he says in verse number 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that can call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A lot of times we read to verse 13, we kind of stop right there, because we're like, amen, that's good, right there. Whoa, that's good stuff right there. But I want you to notice tonight, primarily our text, and I'm giving the thought tonight, is verse 14. Here's what Paul says. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Father, thank you for tonight. Lord, for the privilege it is to be in your house and just to be able to gather into fellowship. And now as we open up the word of God and we look at our topic tonight, I pray that our hearts would be stirred and our hearts would be challenged for the cause of Christ and the mission that is before us collectively as well as individually. Lord, I I pray that tonight's message would be clear. Lord, there's a a million thoughts running through my brain. And and Lord, I pray that you just help my mouth and help my tongue, uh, Lord, to just be concise in the preaching and teaching of your word tonight. And Lord, at the same time, help us to see your heart through the word of God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Tonight, we're going to look at this topic of faith. Promise missions. And already I know somebody like, man, I, I, Brother Andrew, you don't understand. Like, I've been in church my whole life, and I, I've, I've been given to missions, and, and, and man, I, I know all that there is to know about faith promise missions. Awesome. Praise the Lord. You want to come up and preach this then? Amen. You know, a lot of times we can kind of come to church, and if you've been in church most of your life, I started growing, going to church in 1991, so you do the math, I've been in church a long time. And so I've heard all kinds of messages. I've heard good messages. I've heard not so good messages, I've been in good services, I've been in not so good, I mean, I've heard all kinds of things. And so it's easy for us to come in tonight and kind of flip the switch, if you would, and kind of disconnect. But I want to kind of, kind of, if you would, just kind of build a case here, and uh, it's not so much going to be preaching tonight, as more so probably teaching, as kind of explaining everything to Pastor uh, earlier today when I talked to him, and I'm hoping to get to a point where we kind of understand Faith Promise Missions from a practical standpoint. We understand missions tonight. We understand we can look at the flags that are represented around the auditorium and we can read the prayer letters and we can have missionaries come in. But I want us to understand as a church the practical side of missions. In our text tonight, Paul is beginning in chapter number 10, his appeal, if you would, he's continuing his appeal to the Jews and understanding that Jesus Christ was the, the, uh, the epitome, the ultimate, if you would, of salvation, that their salvation wasn't based upon the law. And Paul makes it very clear in what we just read in the Romans chapter number 10, verse number 1 through verse number 4, even down into verse number 9, that the only way an individual can be saved is through Jesus Christ. It's not through their own righteousness. It's not through their works. It's not through their baptism. Uh, nowhere in this text do you find anywhere that Paul addresses baptism. He has everything in this text to address his faith in Jesus Christ. But tonight, we look at these verses, and specifically, if we look at verse number 13, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so often, uh, we've used that verse, and it's on our tracks, it's on our handouts, it's maybe we've got underlined in our Soul Winner's New Testament, and we've gone to this verse multiple times in trying to lead somebody to the Lord and get them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But then I, I, I point out here that verse number 14 and verse number 15 kind of stand out like a sore thumb. Look what the Bible says. It says, how then shall they call on him 
in whom they have not believed. It's like Paul is, Paul's preaching this message, and obviously I know he's, he's writing and he's penning it, but you can imagine Paul preaching the message, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And everybody's like, amen, praise the Lord, that's awesome. And then it's like kind of Paul's demeanor just kind of changes. And he says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? See that question mark? He says, and how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach? Except they be sent. Look what he says. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Paul recognized in this text, in Romans chapter number 10, I know we're just, just jumping right in the middle of the book of Romans, but Paul recognized the significance that the gospel had in people's life, obviously to a, for a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but that it was more than just, in a sense, the gospel, but there had to be a preacher, there had to be an instrument, if you would, that God would use to declare, thus saith the Lord. And we don't have the time tonight to go back into the gospels, but we know that throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, as he called out the 12 apostles, and he began the, the local, the very first local assembly, the local church, that multiple times in scripture, in the gospels, Jesus told them, go out. He would send them out. He'd send them two by two. We know that the Great Commission was given in each one of the Gospels and also the book of Acts. So we know that God's purpose, or we say this, God's plan for the local church was to get the Gospel out. It wasn't that the church was supposed to have closed doors and nobody can come in and you can only come in if you know the special code or the special password. That was never God's plan. God's plan, God's desire was to use men uh, to preach the Word of God, that preachers would go out. And here's what Paul's saying. He said, how are they supposed to get saved if no one's going to go? How are they supposed to hear the gospel if no one's going to go? How are they going to get a track if no one gives a track? How are they going to hear the word of God? How are they even going to believe the word of God if they're never given the opportunity? So 1991, we moved back from uh, the United Kingdom. My dad had been stationed in England for four years and playing baseball and playing baseball in Las Vegas. You don't play baseball in Las Vegas in July. It's too hot, Caden. It's like 130 degrees. Kids would be passing out. So you're playing baseball like in February. That was my baseball league. And I'll never forget him. First season playing, there's a kid on my team and I'm playing with him and his mom's up in the bleachers. His mom's name is Kim Vandergriff. And I remember her looking up and seeing her walk on over and slide on over to my mom and, and talking to my mom and see her hand something to my mom. It was a gospel track inviting her to West Charleston Baptist Church. Now my mom had been saved years prior, but had never really grown in her walk with the Lord, never really gotten into church. But that, that, listen, that one moment right there was the catalyst, Brother Marty, for me to go to church, to start going to church that spring, and June 10th, 1991, during vacation Bible school, sitting in the auditorium, kind of section almost like this, over here on this side, during our, our Bible time, I bowed my head, except Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Listen, my life forever changed. And I'm thankful, listen, I'm thankful, we still, Miss Kim, she might even be watching the live stream tonight, I know she's watched our services before in the past, I've seen comments on Facebook. Man, just the, the thought that she just reached over, Brother Mike, and said, hey, I'd like to invite you to my church. And gave my mom a gospel track. I thought, man, what, listen, what, what did, how different would my life be had Kim, Miss Kim, not reached on over and just give my mom a gospel track and said, hey, Nora, I'd like to invite you to my church. I'd like to invite you to church. Listen, it's so vitally important that not just that we have the gospel, that we've received the gospel, but listen tonight, that we give it out. 
That is missions. So this leaves us with the challenge tonight, according to verse number 14 and verse number 15, of how to get the gospel out, how to get the Great Commission out, how to, how to propagate the gospel effectively. Because see, while God is omnipresent, he's able to be everywhere, you and I are limited in our ability. And that's where missionaries come into play. Missionaries are called of God to take the gospel to a specific location. Some missionaries are called to plant churches within the United States of America. We often refer to this as home missions. United States of America being home, our country. We often refer to this as home missions. Some missionaries are called to plant churches in commonly known countries like Mexico, England, Germany, Uganda, Kenya, the Philippines. But some missionaries are called to plant churches in less known or more difficult locations like Mongolia, China, Russia. There's a missionary right now I graduated Bible college with He's a second-generation missionary, him and, him and his brother are missionaries to Russia. And they've been out of Russia for months, can't get in. How about Syria? I know of a missionary out of a church in Alaska that is serving in Syria right now. Well, if you were here Sunday night, you heard this testimony, what about Iraq? What about Iraq? Wherever God calls a missionary to go... They have an obligation and a responsibility to go. But the struggle is tonight that they just can't drop everything and go. They need support financially and prayerfully. This is where the local church, or that we say like this, this is where us, we, Riverside Baptist Church, come into play. Our responsibility is not only to faithfully pray for our missionaries, but to faithfully support them financially through what is called the Faith Promise Missions. And you see up there on the slide, Faith Promise Missions. What is Faith Promise Giving? To some, Faith Promise is a brand new concept. There are others tonight who've been involved in Faith Promise for many, many years. But maybe we've never really understood the magnitude of our giving. Our giving tonight is not simply when the offering plate comes by that we put money in the plate to soothe our conscience, to make ourselves feel good. No, that's not why we give tonight. We don't give tonight to get. We don't give tonight to just to make a spectacle of ourselves because somebody's sitting to the left or the right of us. We give tonight out of a heart and a desire, according to Romans chapter number 10, to send a preacher to preach the word of God so that souls might be saved. That is why we give. So what is it? Faith promise is a way of giving to world evangelism. Rather than waiting to respond to individual appeals as they come along, believers, or we'll say like this, church members within Riverside Baptist Church, ask the Lord how much they should give to missions over the next year. Then they commit to an annual total known as a faith promise. Faith promise thus makes missions giving strategic rather than sporadic because missions is the heartbeat of every ministry of the church. What you think about this for a second tonight? As we look at the prayer pages that are around the auditorium, we look at the flags that are represented, a lot of times we think of, hey, that's missions, Brother Andrew, that's missions. I'm going to challenge your thinking just a little bit tonight. Would you consider our bus ministry a mission field? Would you consider our Sunday school department a mission field? Would you consider our junior church a mission field? Would you consider refiners ministry a mission field? Hey, would you consider our youth department a missions field? Amen. Them people need to get right with Jesus. Amen. Hey, listen, we think about missions. A lot of times our mindset is just focused on these other countries. Brother Marty, we're like, oh, that's South Korea. 
man, we need to pray for Brother Park in South Korea. We need to give money to, we need to, we, man, we need to pray so that souls would be saved in South Korea. When was the last time we prayed that somebody would get saved off the bus route? Got real quiet. When was the last time we prayed that somebody walked the aisle on a Sunday morning? No, not just, not just, not just, Lord, I pray that somebody gets saved today. In Jesus' name, amen. When was the last time we really begged God to move? I don't know if you, uh, if you were here Sunday morning, you kind of noticed, hopefully, hopefully you noticed, the pastor leaned over to me while the choir was singing. Here's, what, here's the exact words. Man, there's a lot of visitors here today. And I don't know if maybe they came because we put door hangers out on Saturday. I don't know if they came because we're passing out tracks, Brother Mike. I don't know if we came. they came because they saw something on Facebook or on YouTube or, or whatever the case is. But the point is this. If you were here Sunday morning, remember at the invitation, Pastor asked about those who did not know Jesus Christ, their personal Lord and Savior. And you remember what Pastor was saying? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. You know, you know what the mission field is? It's not just these countries. It's right here. Mission field is right, it's right where you're sitting at. That's a mission field. That's a mission field. Mission field. So let's think about it tonight. Faith promised missions is not tithing, and tithing is not faith promised missions. So what is the difference between tithing and faith promise? We're going to kind of lay some groundwork real quick here. Tithing is not done in faith. What you think about this for a second. Tithing is not done in faith. Tithing is the responsibility of every church member within a local assembly. Tithing is a clear scriptural principle dating back to the earliest pages of the book of Genesis. Tithing recognizes God's ownership over me, listen, and all that I have. So, I have a tithing envelope. I was going to get some money and kind of demonstrate this, but then I thought, eh, might be too long of an illustration. <clears throat> so I have a tithing envelope for Riverside Baptist Church. And uh, on, on so some of you are like, man, Brother Andrew, just very basic. Well, we've got to lay some groundwork here. On the tithing envelope, you have your name, your address, the date, church information, but then there's a section over here that says giving. And on the very top of that, it says tithe and offering. You realize tonight that everything you have, everything I have, is not our own. It's not our own. It's not our own. It's God's. It's God's. Uh, and can I just kind of throw this in there as well? Moms and dads, your kids are not your own. They're God's. That's a whole other message, but that, they're God's. They belong to God. I don't own anything. What I have belongs to him. So when we talk about my tithe, my tithe is a tenth of my income, my increase. And we, won't go through, we don't have time to go through this whole study on tithing. We're going to look at missions tonight, not tithing. But man, a tenth. So if I have $100, what is a tenth of $100? Matthew? $10. Good job. If I have $1,000, what is a tenth of $1,000? Brother Nathan? $100, $100. That's pretty simple, right? I mean, the best way to, that has ever been explained to me is take the decimal point, move it one spot over to the left. Brother Nathan knows what I'm talking about over here, accountant, accountant major over here. A tenth. I mean, that's, that's God's. That, that's no question. You say, man, that's kind of like real like, Ugh. listen, that's just God's. I, I, I have never had a problem going, man, I, I, I got to pay my tithe. I don't have to pay anything. That's God's. That's a, that, listen, that is a form of worship. When we give our tithe, that's a form of worship, of us acknowledging the fact that what we have is because of the Lord, because of the grace of God. You say, well, I went to school, and I, I did this, and I did this, and I did this. Man, God gives you breath in your lungs. God gives you the ability to get up. 
God gives you the ability to work that job. And hopefully you got a nice boss, and you're nice to your boss, amen? I was talking to Brother Butch before church. He, he was talking to me about getting his job back. He got a raise before he left. Guess what? He was telling me tonight, praise the Lord, I'm getting another raise. I just came back. I said, don't leave for another two months. <laughs> you know, they might not give you a job back next time. Hey, the tent, man, it's simplistic, right? Then it has a spot there for missions. This is where I put down where I, I give to my missions. Then there's a spot there that says building. I give toward the building fund. And then there's a spot here that's kind of blank. It's kind of blank. If you remember back in January, pastor challenged us about a specific offering this year called the Moving Ahead Offering. And thank you, praise the Lord, for all those that, that took the challenge, that prayed about it, that been faithfully giving. Hopefully here in the next two weeks, uh, Brother Jeff Glazeman, one of the missionaries that we support, will be with us. And we're going to start remodeling the toddler room, uh, the nursery, totally different layout, totally different design, colors, uh, toys, cribs. Everything. So why do I need to give the moving ahead offering? Right there. Right there. But that's what this is for. Man, we get an, op- man, I get an opportunity every Sunday to fill it out and to put, put down what you're able to give. Man, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to give. Lord, thank you for the opportunity just, just to be a blessing, not only just in my tithe, but in my missions. So many people miss out on the blessing of tithing. Well, you don't understand. I, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. No, no. We have money for Starbucks. We have money for a pedicure and a manicure. And we have money to go hunting and buy new guns and everything else. But when it comes to God, we're like, Lord, you get the leftovers. You get the leftovers. If you've been here long enough, you've heard Pastor mention it. You've heard, I think, Brother Jimmy preach it, Brother Mike preach it, maybe another. I know Brother Mike Nold preached it when he preached. Pastor had him preach. Man, you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. One, man, one of the blessings is not to be stingy with your money. Now, listen, don't go out and be dumb with your money. Don't go out and go, man, Brother Andrew, I got this Facebook message, and this guy said if, he'd, if I'd send him $100, he'd send me water from the Jordan River. Don't be doing that kind of stuff. Don't be doing that kind of stuff. But, man, we get, a, we get the privilege to give our tithe. I mean, that, that's like a no-brainer. That, to me, that's simplistic. So here's where we're at time where the rubber really meets the road is when it comes to our missions giving. What we give to missions. Tithe's already been settled. It's already been settled. It's a, it's a completely other message But what about our missions giving? Our missions giving. Out of the information counter, if you haven't already picked one up, are these Faith Promise Missions cards. Really nice. Look good. Then on the back side, has my role. You notice on this card, nowhere does it have your name. Nowhere does it have, hey, this is who I am. This is where I live. This is my income. This is my income to debt ratio. You don't find that on this. Because that's not what it's about. Uh, when we were in Colorado all those years, there was, a, there was a, an independent fundamental Baptist church. I won't name the church because uh, they're still there on the north side of town that when you joined their church, you had to fill out, Brother Mike, basically a piece of paper that listed your income. And then you had to fill it out and list how much you would give in your tithe and how much you would give to missions. And if you didn't do it, they would send you a bill in the mail. We ain't got time for that at Riverside Baptist Church. We're not doing that. No, no, that's, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. It's not biblical. You say there's churches that do that? Yes. Yes. 
Hey, listen, and not just Baptist churches. There's other denominational churches out there. That's what they do. And I'm not going to name all of them tonight. It doesn't do us any good. The point is this. This is a commitment that you make, that I make between us as an individual and the Lord. So on this card, I mean, if you've got your card, you want to pull it out and take a look at it. It says, my faith promise. And it says, please check your weekly faith promise. So we're going to get into why we do this here in just a few moments. But here on your weekly card, on this side, you just mark. I mean, there's, there's a spot to mark $5, $10, man, $250. Man, you want to mark there $1,000 and give $1,000 a week? Praise the Lord if that's what God lays on your heart. But don't be marking $1,000, Ben. That's a lot of lawns you got to mow every week, right? We're about ready to get snowed on here in a couple, of mo- uh, a couple of weeks. The point is this, is that we take this car, we're praying about it this week, that God would lay a specific figure upon our heart that we could, listen, that we could support missions, that we could support ministries uh, affected by our missions program. So what is faith, promise, missions? So we're going to break down this phrase uh, real quick tonight. Go over to Hebrews chapter Hold your place there in Romans chapter number 10, but let's go over to Hebrews chapter number 11 real quick. Hebrews chapter number 11. I'm going to try to, like I said, keep it, keep it real practical tonight and simplistic, and hopefully uh, I don't confuse anybody. Hebrews chapter number 11. So faith promise is a way for you and I to give specifically to reach the unreached of the world. Faith promise giving expresses my desire that the whole world know the gospel. But it's defined by that first word, faith. Faith. Look at Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 1. We know this is the faith chapter. Look what the Bible says. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what do you mean, Brother Andrew? Listen, the biggest mistake that you and I can make is to take a faith promise card and sit down at the table by ourselves or with our spouse and take our budget and put it right next to it and go, okay, how can we squeeze this into this? That's not faith. That's not faith. The truth is that maybe some of these things need to get pushed aside so that we can do more right here. I'm going to say it again. Maybe some of these things need to get pushed aside so we can do more right here. Let's be honest tonight. How many of you have ever been outside of North America? You've, you've been outside of the United States of America. You've been outside of Canada. You've been outside of Mexico. You've been to a third world country. Raise your hand if you've been to a third world country. You've been to a third world country, you know what I'm talking about. Brother Aaron, I mean, being in the Air Force, as long as you've been traveling, if you've been to a third world country, you know what I'm talking about. We are blessed in America. We are blessed in America. I remember going on my, mission, my first missions trip at 16 to Fiji. I remember flying back through LAX. And man, I remember coming in through customs at LAX at 16 years old and seven international flights landing all at the same time. And my dad telling me, you have your military ID and you run to customs as quick as you can. Man, I was so thankful to be back in America. So thankful to be back in America. We've got it good. But the problem is we've got it so good that we're just comfortable where we're at. And so when it comes to faith promise missions, we're just the mindset, well, how can I fit this into my budget? Faith, faith, faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Go down to verse number six. The Bible says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. To please who? To please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's amazing to me that we'll trust God. We'll have the faith to get saved 
But yet we won't have the faith to allow God to provide and meet our needs. Faith. The word impossible here in verse number 6 carries a strong connotation. It means this. It means it cannot be done. Cannot be done. If you and I do not have faith, we cannot please God. The chief goal in having faith, though, is to please God and bring honor and glory to Him. Go Now let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And give me the example here of the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. The church at Corinth obviously wasn't, didn't have the best testimony. It wasn't the best testimony of a godly church. And we really find that in 1 Corinthians. We see Paul's rebuke. And it seems like we get into 2 Corinthians, some things have kind of work, started to work themselves out. I want you to notice some of the comments, some of the statements Paul makes here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Look at verse number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1. Here's what Paul says. He says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, notice what he says here about these churches, the abundance of their joy, watch, and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Okay, Brother Andrew, what does that mean? Here's what it means. That the churches, even in their poverty, they weren't like... Anybody got gas lately? Anybody else besides me notice the gas prices are going up again? Oh, yeah. Anybody else besides me? I, I was telling uh, uh, Miss Amy and Miss Emily earlier today, we were talking about the food pantry, and I was at Walmart yesterday afternoon walking down uh, just the cheese aisle. There's like no cheese, no grated cheese. Anybody else bought a gallon of milk lately? I think Brother Bob was saying that a gallon of milk across the street at the gas station the other day was like $11 for a gallon of milk. No, no, it's, it's, easy, in, it's easy in where we're at right now in 2022 to kind of be like... Close up in. But Paul says, hey, even in their poverty, even in their great affliction, man, they were liberal. They were like, hey, who needs what? What missionary needs help? Where does the gospel need to go next? Who's struggling? How many tracts do we need to send out? How many, how, listen, how many, how, many, how many messages need to go out? Look what he says. Look at verse number three. For to their power I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Here's what he's saying. Hey, they were willing of themselves, even in their poverty, even in their affliction, even in dire straits. Listen, they weren't thinking about themselves. They were thinking about the gospel. How shall they hear without a preacher? But then go over to chapter number 9. Look what else Paul says. Chapter number 9, verse number 6. Look what he says here. But this I say, verse number 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. I got to pay my tithe. I got to pay my missions. I got to do this. No, 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 no. Not grudgingly or of necessity, but God loveth a cheerful giver. God loveth a cheerful giver. We had a a family who was in our church in, in Colorado, an older couple, and he had been prior military, was... Going back to school, he was a, he was a PA. Dr. Greer was a PA and got his certifications back from the military. And, and, I, and I loved watching them come offering time. Every time they put an envelope in the offering plate, they'd high-five each other in church. It was awesome. It was awesome. They were so, listen, they were so excited. They gave, and I asked him one time, I said, Brother Kay, why do you do that? He goes, man, God tells me to be cheerful about it. I think high-fiving my wife in church is pretty cheerful, don't you? 
And again, he got excited about just giving. Look what he says here in, in verse number eight. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through, uh, uh, through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also being by many thanksgiving unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorified God for their profession, uh, subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Paul said, hey, listen, even in their poverty, even in their great affliction, man, they gave by faith. They gave by faith. Listen, let's just be honest. Sometimes it's tough to live by faith. Sometimes it's tough to live by faith, not just financially, but maybe even we've gone through a storm, we've gone through a trial, maybe personally with our health, maybe work, whatever the case is. Man, sometimes it's really hard to live by faith. It's really hard to have enough faith really to trust God for the next meal. Or really to trust God to answer a specific prayer request. Really to trust God to see him come through. But listen, if we really want to understand faith promise missions, it starts with faith. It starts with us not going, well, God, how is this going to work in my budget? Or God, I need this money. Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? I remember growing up in a church in Knob Calvary Baptist Church. We had a a deacon there who was actually the treasurer of the church. He's, He's still there. Uh, and I, I remember him giving a testimony one year, Brother Mike, and coming in missions month, and he worked in Kansas City. He was, very, uh, he was very educated, had a very good job in Kansas City. And I remember him giving up our missions night, and he gave this testimony. He said, you know, he goes, we began praying, my wife and I, two months before Faith Promise Missions, that God would lay a specific figure on our heart, and we just want to have faith and trust God. And, and he goes, I, I, I kind of was a little worried because the number that God gave me was very low. There was a specific number that God gave me, and it was very, very low. And he goes, I, I could not figure out why. And I remember him standing up, and Brother Abels was kind of looking at him, and, and, and uh, he said this. He said, then I realized in my prayer time, and I talked to God about it, that the number God gave me wasn't a dollar amount, but was it a percentage of my income amount that he wanted me to give to missions. He was willing to say, Lord, whatever it is, I'm willing to live by faith. I'm willing to trust you. I'm willing, Lord, whatever you'd have me to give. But then the next part, the second part of that is the promise. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 5. Look what Paul says here. He says, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. you got to have faith, but then there's that other part called a promise. There's got to be a commitment that's made. You see, the promise we make is not to the pastor. The promise we make is not to one another. The promise you and I make when it comes to faith promise missions is to God. Ultimately, the promise we make during the faith promise missions conference is a commitment. A commitment we make to God for the furtherance of the gospel. Because through our faith promise giving, it clearly demonstrates our love for lost sinners. 
Luke 6, 38, the Bible tells us this, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye met, with all shall be measured to you again. Romans chapter 12, verse number 9, here's what the Bible says. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. We make commitments every single day, do we not? I wrote some things down here. We make promises. We make commitments. We've made commitments on a house payment. We've made commitments on a car payment. We make commitments on credit card payments. We make commitments on cell phone bills. We make commitments at work. We make commitments at insurance. And I had to, uh, Emily got her driver's license this last week. I had to add her to my insurance. <sighs> Praise God she's a girl, right, Brother John? Amen. Woo! I saw that bill come through. I thought, man, I thought my parents just made it up all those years ago. <laughs> hey, listen, we make commitments all the time. We make commitments to friends. We make commitments to our spouses. We make commitments to our kids. But where's our commitment to God when it comes to missions? How, or so, let me say it like this. How committed are we to God when it comes to missions? Lord, I'll just give $5 a week. That's it. I want you to look at verse number, verse number 5 again. Or sorry, verse number 8. Um... No, verse number five. Sorry, I jumped ahead of myself. It says, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first, what he says here, gave their own selves to the Lord. Here, just kind of share a real quick testimony with you. Growing up in church, you hear about tithing, you hear about missions giving, and here's where the missions giving really clicked, was that verse right there. Was when I realized, hey, listen, if I'm really going to understand faith promise missions, First of all, I have to tell God, God, here am I. No, 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 no. Not here's my, here's my pocketbook. Not here's my money. Lord, here am I. If you put an offering plate here in the middle of the floor, that you would literally stand in the offering plate and say, Lord, here am I. Lord, here am I. That you and I would make a commitment and a promise to God first and say, Lord, here am I. Look what it says, verse 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Paul's saying they were willing to give themselves first before they gave unto us. They, they gave themselves first before they gave unto us. How embarrassing for us to commit, to commit money in support of missionaries, but we ourselves are unwilling to go reach a lost and a dying world. Luke 12, verse 34, the Bible tells us this, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. As a church, Riverside Baptist Church, we make a promise to missionaries every month. I'll give you some statistics real quick. Currently, we support over 80 plus missionaries or missionary projects monthly. On a monthly basis, there are finances, a little over $7,000 a month goes out of our missions account to missionaries that are represented along this wall. But on top of that, we are able through our missions giving to support random home missions. If you've been here any length of time at Riverside Baptist Church, you know that there has been times where pastor has come to the church family and there's a specific church that might have a need or purchasing a building. Uh, even thinking about this last Sunday and talking about being a blessing to Brother Lewis and being able to give him $1,000 and then at the same time to turn around and give him another $2,000 toward a vehicle 
uh, up in the Northeast. I, I think about a couple years ago, if you were here, you remember Brother Robert Mickey, our missionary in, in, in Africa, and, he, and we, we gave the money uh, to help with the building and the, the Bibles and the, the college that was out there, and even in the pulpit, he's got in the pulpit, uh, him saying, hey, you know, we're $1,000 or $2,000 short. Uh, pastor was watching on live stream, and I'm standing up here, and he's texting me going, hey, let's, let's get some more money in his pocket and be a blessing. Listen, it's not, a, it's not a, an account that we just build up money and invest in the stock market. No, no, it's an account where that money's going out to works and to ministries. And I was talking to pastor about this today, and he said this. He said, you know, every week I'm getting emails or phone calls or text messages about different ministries and different outreaches. And, and here in January, the, the church planners conference down in Oklahoma City, uh, hundreds of church planners gather in Oklahoma City annually, and church planners that are across America planning churches in inner cities and in rural areas. Uh, some, uh, some people go into churches that are getting ready to close the doors. I think of Brother uh, Ben Moore up in Falls City. Uh, that was when he went up, that was a missions work when he went up there. Uh, that was a work that needed to be resurrected. That was a, a mission up there. And for us as a church to be able to make a promise and a commitment to give toward those works. Missionaries that we represent, or sorry, that we support here at Riverside Baptist Church are preaching and teaching in 26 different countries. Man, that's pretty good until you realize that there are 196 countries in the world. Man, it looks massive. It looks big. That means this, that there are 170 countries in this world that currently, I'm not saying there's not a missionary there, but that we don't have a missionary that we support in that specific country. Christ made a promise to you and I that he would come again and receive us unto, that he would receive us unto himself. But what kind of commitment are we willing to make for the cause of Christ when it comes to missions giving? On October 30th, we'll collect the missions cards, and I think put it somewhere over here. We'll collect the missions cards, and we'll make a determination. We'll actually, here's what we'll decide. We'll ultimately decide whether or not somebody will spend eternity in heaven or in hell when we give. Then lastly, let's go back to Romans chapter number 10. You have faith, you have promise, and then lastly, you have missions. In my notes here, I put kind of AKA vision. I'm going to kind of describe that here for you in just a second. But missions, you have faith, you have promise, now you have missions. Let's put this together. It is estimated that there are 10,000 independent Baptist missionaries preaching around the world. That means this, that means one missionary for every 797,903 people. To put it into perspective, imagine taking the state of Missouri with a population of right at 6.2 million people, and if you spaced it on out, that would be seven missionaries for the entire state of Missouri. So I got really fancy doing this earlier today, and I thought, man, what's it like county-wise in the state of Missouri? How many missionaries would be represented in Buchanan County? I took, in 2020, when they did the census, I took the, the number of people within Buchanan County, and every county, from Platte County all the way north to the border of Iowa, all the way across to the eastern border of Missouri, one missionary for that whole section. The task is massive. Can we say it like this? The mission is massive. It's massive. It's humongous. But here's the deal. God gave us the plan. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, here's what Jesus said. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world 
and preach the gospel to every creature. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Our commitment to faith promise missions is a direct reflection of our vision to see the lost saved. The faith promise missions program of Riverside Baptist Church will fail if we have no vision, no desire for the lost. In Romans chapter 10, look at verse number 1. Here is Paul's heart. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So, let's kind of wrap all this up in one verse. Verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that the city of St. Joseph would be saved. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is the city of Savannah would be saved. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that my coworker would be saved. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that the little boy and little girl on my bus route be saved. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is that my spouse would be saved. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that my child would be saved. Missions does not begin on the foreign field, nor does missions begin in our missions giving card that we'll put in the offering plate on October 30th. Missions begins in your heart and my heart. That's where it begins. It's not in your pocketbook. It's in your heart. And tonight, your heart and my heart And the heart of every member of Riverside Baptist Church ought to be, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God, you fill in the blank. When you think about faith, promise, missions, what do you think? You think just money? You think just a figure? Where's that tithing envelope? Here it is. Oh, yeah, I got to write down my missions giving. Yeah, I paid my tithe. I paid my missions. I'm good for another week. I'm good for another month. Or is it, Lord... I know I'm putting this in the offering plate tonight, or this morning, but before I do that, I want you to know, Lord, I'm in that plate. I'm totally yielded and surrendered. Because my heart's desire, my heart's desire is to see somebody get saved. Faith promised missions. You can say, oh, it's just all about money, Brother Andrew. It is. If that's how you want to look at it, it is. But truth be told, faith promised missions begins right here. Begins right here. Begins right here. Well, I can't give a lot. That's not what it's about. Well, you don't understand my... That's not what it's about. Faith promise missions between you and the Lord. You and the Lord. But here's, here's where we'll really see God work and really see God bless our ministry is if it all starts right here for each and every one of us. If our mindset is, well, that's just another bill. I'm going to put a number in. Put in the offering plate. Oh, that, that, that amount works in our budget. That allows me to do what I want to do and, and buy what I want to buy. Paul said, brethren, my heart's desire. He didn't say that certain people. He said, Israel be saved. What's your heart's desire tonight? Is your heart's desire tonight to see people get saved? Maybe, let's come be honest and we're done. Maybe we're not seeing people saved because it's not our heart's desire. 
Maybe we're not, listen, maybe we're not effective because it's not our heart's desire. Maybe we're not passing out tracts because it's not our heart's desire. Maybe we're not reading our Bible. Maybe we're not faithful to tithe and give to mission. Maybe we're not faithful to be a, a faithful follower of Christ because ultimately it's not our heart's desire. Paul said, brethren, my heart's desire is that Israel be saved. And he goes on to say, but how are they going to hear without a preacher? And how are they going to go if they don't get sent? Father, thank you for tonight, Lord, the privilege we have to be in your house. Thank you for Romans chapter number 10 and being able to look at Paul's heart tonight and the challenge that we must ask ourselves of whether or not our heart's desire is to see you work in the lives of those that you've put in front of us. Lord, I think tonight about not just the Lord, not just the preachers and the Sunday school teachers and the junior church workers and the bus workers. Lord, I think about every member of Riverside Baptist Church and whether or not our heart's desire is to see people saved and to see the gospel spread. And maybe tonight we've come and it's just kind of looking at Faith Promise Missions. We've just kind of gone through the motions for so many years and we just write the check or put the, the dollar bills in the offering envelope and put it in the plate. And We've never contemplated and never considered first that we need to give of ourselves that we'd be willing of ourselves to go, be willing of ourselves to sacrifice, be willing of ourselves to say, Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, however you've spoken tonight, may we just, Lord, do business with you, be, be honest with you, God, that our hearts desire truly tonight that St. Joseph would get saved, or that Savannah get saved, Lord, that, that that individual schools, that kids would be saved, that our workplace, our co-workers would be saved, Lord, our families, that even our own family members would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm thankful for that Sunday morning that my dad walked the aisle at Calvary Baptist Church in Nobnoster, Missouri, and accepted you as his Lord and Savior. I'm thankful that there were some church members, there were some faithful church members who prayed, who labored, who invited, who visited, who befriended. Lord, help us not to grow cold and callous to the state of this world. Help us to have a heart's desire tonight to see the gospel change lives. As we stand tonight, the piano is going to play. Listen, let's just do business with God tonight. God's challenged you when it comes to faith promise. Maybe you say, well, Brother Andrew, I'm not really giving. I mean, I, I know the figure God's laid on my heart. Well, how's your heart tonight when it comes to people in church? How's your heart tonight? Gas pump, the people at school, the people at work. Is your desire tonight to see people saved? I sure hope it is. It's a piano plays. Let's just do business with the Lord.